Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Have you ever felt like a mouse skittering along the trim boards of your own life, terrified to come out into the light, into the center of that room which is your life? If so, you are not alone. In his work, Fear and Trembling, Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard observes that most people live completely absorbed in the world's joys and sorrows. They rather observe than participate directly in life, life which Kierkegaard likens to the dance stage. Most people, he states, are bench warmers who do not take part in the dance. The knights of faith, in contrast, are ballet dancers. They are able to come down in such a way that instantaneously one seems to stand and walk, to change the leap into life, into walking, absolutely to express the sublime in the pedestrian. So how do we move from being sorry bench warmers in our own lives to ballet dancers, fearlessly leaping across the stages that are our lives? How does the mouse become the lion? In 1984, Serge Leclerc began a nine-year jail term for a $40 million drug bust in Canada. Born in an abandoned building in eastern Canada, the product of the rape of a 13-year-old Cree girl, Leclerc grew up homeless, abused, and early on became a daily IV drug user. Leclerc had risen to become one of the ringleaders of Canada's largest, most violent drug and extortion syndicates. Seven months into his bid, Leclerc watched the 19-year-old man in the next jail cell commit suicide. A young man who had, in fact, ended up in jail as a direct result of the drugs manufactured and sold by Leclerc's cartel. Watching that young man die, something so profound happened in Leclerc's interior makeup that his whole being was somehow transformed. At 2 a.m., alone on the cement floor in his cell, Leclerc found Jesus, and seemingly, suddenly, everything was different. In prison, Leclerc went on to obtain a university degree in social work, founded a support group for addicts, received a pardon from the government, and continued his work with young addicts after his release. Leclerc even ran for and was elected to the legislature. What explains this kind of transformation? 
In a series of lectures delivered in 1902 entitled Varieties of Religious Experience, early psychologist, doctor, and philosopher William James addresses how profound fundamental shifts can occur in our lives. James defines these shifts as conversions. Now, before we can understand these shifts, we need to first understand James's concept of how the brain works. In James' view, on the one end are the healthy-minded people who have a temperament which has a constitutional incapacity for prolonged suffering. These people view the glass as half full. Once born, they navigate the ups and downs of life in a general state of contentment. They are not in need of a conversion, the happy people. On the other end are the sick souls, for whom every day is but a long day's journey into night. For them, James says, unexpectedly, from the bottom of every fountain of pleasure, something bitter rises up, a touch of nausea, a falling dead of the delight, a whiff of melancholy, things that sound the knell, for fugitive as they may bring, they bring a feeling of coming from a deeper region and often have an appalling convincingness. The buzz of life ceases at their touch as a piano string stops sounding when the damper falls upon it. The sick souls, James says, are persons whose existence is little more than a series of zigzags as they now one tendency gets the upper hand and then another. Their spirit wars with their flesh. They wish for incompatibles. Wayward impulses interrupt their most deliberate plans, and their lives are long, one long drama of repentance and of an effort to repair mistakes. This description, written 115 years ago, still rings true for anyone who is ruled by fear and anxiety. For the sick souls, the glass is half empty. The unhappy people. To live better, happier, more fulfilling lives, according to James, these souls need to undergo a conversion, a fundamental shift in their very core makeup. In short, James says the sick souls unlike the healthy-minded, need to be born twice. According to James, each individual has an habitual center of personal energy, by which he means an aim and a goal which awakens a certain specific type of excitement and attracts certain ideas and skills that serve it. For example, we may aim to become a medical doctor with a goal of helping people get well. We develop a complex internal system, a set of skills and thought patterns, and an ethical framework for practicing medicine and working with patients. And yet, this very same doctor may have a competing center of personal energy, 
say that of a sexual predator. In fact, my father, an attorney, once successfully defended just such a doctor who was accused of multiple counts of having sex with female patients in the hospital before they came out of anesthesia after their surgery. Exonerated, the doctor was later accused of the same crime again at a different hospital and in a different state, and he was subsequently convicted. Clearly, his was a divided soul at war with itself. James argues that through the process of conversion, the divided soul is united. Spiritual ideas previously peripheral in our consciousness take a central place. These spiritual ideas form the new habitual center of personal energy. Now, if we truly seek a radical fundamental change in our lives, aside from sitting aside in our cell waiting for lightning to strike us, how do we prepare ourselves to recognize when the divine taps us on the shoulder? Although by no means the only, recovery from addiction to substances or behaviors is an excellent example of a fundamental shift in one's habitual center of personal energy. 12-step recovery programs have long embraced the concept of a spiritual experience as a necessary component of recovery. Relying heavily upon James, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous describes two sorts of spiritual experiences, the white light and the educational variety. Unfortunately, Many people who start 12-step programs feel that they are just not getting it because they have no great aha moment, no white light experience, where suddenly all becomes clear and changed for the better. James, however, actually has a more nuanced and helpful view. James concedes that there are plenty of examples of instantaneous conversions where divine grace bursts through all barriers and sweeps in like a sudden flood. But let's examine instead James' treatment of the volitional or educational variety where the regenerative change is usually gradual and consists in the building up, piece by piece, of a new set of moral and spiritual habits. James explains that even in the educational variety, there are always critical points at which the movement seems more rapid. And he remarks, perhaps there's not much radical difference between what we call a white light and an educational experience. Let's go back and visit Serge Leclerc in jail before he watched the young man in the next cell commit suicide and then found Jesus. If James were to have taken his history, he might have discovered that Leclerc had been, for some time, receiving visits from the prison chaplain and a volunteer outreach worker, discussing religion and later even attending services in jail. Apparently, even before the suicide, Leclerc may have been curious about laying the foundations 
for a different way of life. James explains that what may appear as a sudden conversion is actually an illustration of subconsciously maturing processes eventuating in results of which we suddenly grow conscious. Now that's a mouthful. To explain, James likens this process to learning to play music or a sport. You practice the basics, you study the theory, and you get jammed. Sometimes you just can't get it right. It feels like running into a brick wall, and then you leave it for a while, and you come back. Suddenly, you swing effortlessly and hit a home run, or you sit down at the piano, and suddenly the music flows like water. At a certain point, he says, we just have to let it go and let it happen. These are experiences many of us can relate to. We see that we too can experience what the Christian tradition might call a moment of grace, and the Buddhist tradition, awareness, that feeling of being absolutely 100% present in the moment, free from fear or judgment, neither looking back nor forward. This is the moment of surrender. This is the window of opportunity where we can acknowledge the divine is tapping us on the shoulder. And if we are ready, we can experience a fundamental shift. For years, I had realized that I wanted to change my life. I knew that I drank too much, smoked too much, worked too much, and cared too little for others outside of my immediate family and close circle of friends. I viewed everything that happened as it related only to me. Empathy and compassion were totally foreign concepts. So I set off on a journey to learn what I could. I read books, listened to speakers, went to workshops, and tried to meditate. And not much really seemed to happen. What I realize now is that slowly, subconsciously, I was preparing myself, practicing for that moment of surrender, that moment of grace and awareness that could help cause a fundamental shift in my personal energy. Now, be careful what you ask for. My moment came as a result of forming a deep, meaningful friendship with a homeless heroin addict. I still remember standing on Commonwealth Avenue faced with a life-changing decision. Rather than being discharged after a two-week hospital stay to a supervised medical facility, as we had been planning all along, my friend was discharged straight to the street. I could have walked away and let him hobble off on a bleeding foot full of stitches from surgery with no crutch, no cane, and a bag full of Oxycontins his doctor had given him so that he could self-detox in the street. He was not then, nor is he now, my responsibility. But the divine had tapped me on the shoulder. Being 100% present in that moment, stunned with no thought how I had gotten there or what I was going to do, I just surrendered. 
Come on, I said, get in the car. No, he said, I'll just sleep on a bench. I'll be okay. You don't have to do this. No, I said, you're with me. Get in the car. And so we drove off and started an amazing journey that continues to this very day. We are both fundamentally different people and better for having each other in our lives. We have new habitual centers of our own personal energy. Progress, but not perfection. My friends, are we sick and tired of being sick and tired of whatever it is that ails us? Are we done being bench warmers in our own lives? If so, let us resolve to be done doing or being what it is we seek and want to change about ourselves. Develop a clear idea what it is we want to become and then aim for it. Learn the basic skills necessary to change by joining a support group, reading up on the literature, or getting into therapy. Practice these new skills and master them. Do the work. Sudden and divine intervention is not likely to turn any of us into Mikhail Baryshnikov leaping across the stage. Surround ourselves with like-minded people. We don't need to do this alone. Buddy up. It helps. And then, when the moment is right, Surrender, as James says, to the larger power that makes for righteousness, which has been welling up in our beings and let it finish in its own way the work it has begun. For so long as the egoistic worry of the sick soul guards the door, the expansive confidence of the soul of faith gains no presence. When that moment happens, when the divine taps you on the shoulder, be glad. Let the mouse become lion and let it roar. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ascboston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.